G'day boys and girls, welcome back to the 13th edition of The Wrap. To my right I have a uh, familiar face, Andy Cameron, how are you mate? Not too bad mate, good to be here with you and our very special guest. Uh, doing well, I'm doing well today. You're doing well today, it's good to hear. To my left I got Joel Jamal, he's um, coming in as uh, our first guest and hopefully a, a big rotation of guests, but we're very happy to have Joel in today. How are you going mate? Very good, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so we got a big rap for this week, um, a, a big rap, a huge rap. Some serious controversy. Even. Some um, serious controversy. We got our usual jumping to conclusions. We got a domestic story about um, what's his name? Steve Dixon. Steve Dixon at the strip club. He's he's an offender, isn't he? He's oh. in the bad books this week. He's in the bad books. Fun nation <laughs> in all sorts of strife. We've got international story, Facebook censorship, which I know Joel is. Uh, he he's on top of that. Um, then, you know, we got our beta mails of the week, and then finally we'll bring it back to discuss uh, who's jumping to conclusion are we going to flesh out. And that's our first segment of the day. How exciting. Um, so what we like to do is, in honour of the wives and girlfriends who love to jump to conclusions without a lot of evidence... No facts. Um, no facts. <laughs> no logic. Um, we like to jump to a conclusion. Uh, Andy and I have got ours. Joel will decide which one is is the best or most interesting or one we should flesh out. I think mine's actually pretty good this week. But Andy, why don't I've, you tell us about look, yours? I've had a, in recent history, I've had a bad, bad run with my conclusions. They've been quite atrocious. So I think I've got a better one this week in that the legalisation of marijuana is inevitable, so we should legislate on it now. We'll see how we go. I can't wait to judge. It's going to be great. Interesting. Interesting one. I would have liked to have seen you go a bit harder and say we should legalise it. Uh, look, um, I, I personally think we should. Um, I'm sure... I'm not sure how you guys feel about it, but I definitely okay. feel like... We my, my conclusion is that um, we've seen in America some uh, abortion legislation, like the heartbeat bill and a few other things. Um, and I'm sympathetic to this feminist argument which I will put forward as my conclusion, that uh, the moment at which, it, during the pregnancy, it becomes illegal to get an abortion, I think we should also mandate uh, compulsory child support from the father for medical bills. So if the abortion is illegal after the heartbeat, all the medical bills should have some contribution from the father after that time, the father of the child. Um, that's my conclusion. Um, wow. Joel, is there one in particular you fancy fleshing out at the end? No, I'm really looking forward to thinking through yours a bit more, both of yours. Yeah, it'll be very good. Okay. Well, we need to pick, we need to pick one. Is we need to pick one that we uh-huh. flesh out at the end, that uh-huh. we come back to. I love the marijuana one. Okay, okay. marijuana. It, it's such a, we've, I think it's a very hot topic. And yeah. I think it could be time. It, it could be it, coming it up on time. It might be time. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, there might be a little conflict of interest in the sense that I don't have a big share portfolio, but one of my stocks is in um, a company, a medical company, whose primary <laughs> product is a medicinal marijuana. Um, so, look, I'd love to see. I'd love to see it all legalised and get me some money. Um, I'm glad you've disclosed that out of the interest of your viewership. Yeah, <laughs> I want everyone to know that. Um, yeah, you know, we have our financial interests um, transparent. Let, let everyone know that. We may not be fully balanced as a result of these interests, but... At least we're honest about it. At least it. we're honest about <laughs> it. At least we're honest about it. Good idea. Um, okay, Andy, why don't you run us through the domestic story? Okay. So kicking off, our domestic story is about Steve Dixon, the former right-hand man to Pauline Hanson's One Nation, who had to resign this week 
as uh, Channel 9, uh, especially a current affair, obtained leaked footage um, from Al Jazeera to Channel 9 showcasing Dixon in a strip club in Washington, D.C., where he was engaging in some very debaucherous business, um, including uh, groping one of the uh, exotic dancers, uh, saying some quite lewd comments. Uh, also, a little bit of racism in there about um, Asian females. So, um, this has led to... Bit of yellow fever from Dick Meister. It was a bit of reverse yellow fever. <laughs> reverse, reverse yellow, yellow fever. fever. Jesus. Um, <laughs> played that in a reverse card. Um, but so this has led to his resignation um, and also a lot of fallout with uh, fallout from the party um, in which Pauline Hanson's tried to address um, in an, uh, interviews, including with the Current Affair and the Bolt Report. Um, some questions she's asking is that. Uh, the events happened in September last year. It's very, very convenient that they're coming out just before two weeks out of an election. Um, so why is this? And uh, she's also saying that a lot of it has to do with the fear that One Nation has uh, stoked in the major political parties as well as in the mainstream media. So, uh, Joel, what are your initial thoughts on the story? Um, actions that should be taken... Uh, what what is your stance towards it? Well, from a personal perspective, uh, look, I'm obviously I'm, I come from a Christian background. I don't really like what the guy's done, but we're talking about politics here. We're talking about a separation of church and state, and we're in a situation where, uh, you know, po- what politicians do in their private life it's none of our business. Whether that be Barnaby Joyce, whether that be Donald Trump, you you know. Uh, as long as they they represent the people that um, on the policies that they've been voted in on, I don't see a problem because I think what we're looking at now is we're looking at a situation where we're not seeing that people aren't representing, you know, um, their people, and so I don't have I don't really have a problem with the fact that this footage has come out. Um, I just think that the guy should be judged on the merits of the policies he passes if he gets in or if he doesn't get in. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely would would agree in a lot of ways with that I think that I would much rather a politician who's uh, you know goes to strippers on the weekend um, but's kind of honest with the people and stands up for positions he was elected for rather than ones who don't go to the strippers but are, are fake <laughs> when they get to Canberra yep. um, my my initial reactions is that I actually don't like I don't have a I don't have a problem with the strip I don't have like a moral qualm about the strippers um, like, as long as everything was consensual, the girls were there consensually, he was there, it was all above board, I don't mind. The problem in this case, particularly um, from a moral perspective, is that he's, um, he's got a family, he's got a wife, um, and he's, he's run on the campaign of, like, being a family man. Um, and just overall, you don't want to have that double standard between what you're trying to portray to the public and, and what you really are. Um, and it is it is a little bit um, weak of the guy to to go to the strip clubs instead of trying to fix up his 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 marriage, um, but um, it is uh, you, you know I don't want to knock on this guy personally all day because um, I'm sure there's a lot of politicians out there who are in the same boat they just haven't had the hit piece on them from um, you know from Al Jazeera <laughs> and and Seven News and, and whatever um, and and it is very. Um, you know, with these things, it's it's timing, it's it's politics, it's kind of dirty games. We, you know, it doesn't take Albert Einstein to realise that 
One Nation's political enemies have been sitting on this footage for quite a long time. Um, And I think Pauline's probably right in the sense that they have uh, majorly scared um, the mainstream political parties and the mainstream media. Um, But, um, you know, it is what it is. And if you stick your neck out like that, you shouldn't be, you know, if you put your hand in the fire, you know, you're going to get burnt. Um, So that comes with the political game and it also comes with the fact that you should take responsibility for going to the strip club when it's probably not a good image for you as a politician. Uh, yeah, my um, my real problem with it is the way that um, like it just shows that the way that we know that like a lot of politics going on in the background is vastly different to what the politicians on both sides of the political spectrum like are with other colleagues um, and with like their family, whatever. Um, but to like completely contradict your own campaign of being a family man. That is something that, um, as much as it shouldn't really affect my like view of him in regards to his political uh, ideology, it does make me question his own like morals and ethics, which may end up resulting in uh, like uh, indifferences in regard to his policy. But I do agree that um, at the end of the day, if he is, in your eyes, the best candidate. For um, even though he's resigned now from um, his spot in One Nation, if he is the best candidate, I don't think it should heavily influence um, the way we uh, we view him as a politician. But yeah, okay. Did do you know what Steve said about it? Did he make a? Uh, yeah, he did make a, um, a a public apology, pretty much saying that um, he did the the morning after he said uh, text his wife, um, call his wife, saying that he went to the strip club, had too much to drink and doesn't really recollect what happened. Um, don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, I think you take it on the chin. Yeah. Um, he's taking it pretty, yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know, as some people say, there's there's no good place to stand in a massacre. Uh, you're yeah. going to get massacred either way. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, well, I think that um, we don't want to dwell too long on this. I mean, it's... I don't want to beat up the guy more than he already has. He's not even in the damn parliament anymore. Yeah, he's gone. Um, so I'm pretty happy to leave uh, Steve Dixon alone. Do you have any final thoughts on that, Joel, or do you want to move on to the Facebook censorship? Yeah, yeah just briefly, because I think um, in the society what we're seeing, though, we're seeing a lot of this sort of stuff come out. I think that when we're bringing these things up to people and we're saying, you've done this, you need to apologise right now, and we're, we're acting like the police there, I think two things are either going to happen. You're going to have a population that even if they apologise, they're just going to be absolutely massacred. Like, how, how can Steve Dixon ever have redemption after this? Mm. It, never. He'll always be known as this sort of guy. So you either have people like that that will apologise and they get massacred, they can never do politics again, or you'll be in a situation where you've got Donald Trump who's completely unapologetic with everything. He'll, he'll lie about what, you know, what, whatever happened with you know, Stormy Daniels or whatever. Mm. And I like, I like what the guy's policies are doing. But what I've done is I've separated his character from him keeping his promises to his mm. voters. And that's why I, 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 simp- I just don't care. I don't care about what's happened with this guy in his private life. Because mm. from the p- policies that he's been running on, from the policies of One Nation, there's no evidence at this stage that I've seen, um, and I'm happy to have my main, mind changed on this, where he's gone against what his voters have said. He just hasn't had the opportunity yet. Mm. And, if, and I think... Pauline Hanson always says it right. Pete, voters should decide at the ballot box, and I don't think he should. Have res- he should have uh, resigned for the position. He should have stuck it through. 
if um, if his family wasn't compromised or if his ability campaign wasn't compromised, and I think he should have seen it through and let the voters decide. Because I think quite often you'll find that the voters will be not as affected as you'd think they would. But a lot of people mm. on the left, their outrage makes it seem like, oh, this is this is this thing is huge. Like you know, you've got to, You have to resign. You have to resign. It's like no, you're not voting for me. The, it's mm. the people I'm representing, and I think that shows the strength of a true leader. Mm. And yeah. You know. So you like you like the Barnaby Joyce approach? <laughs> Look again, it's basically the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I don't like what what happened with him. I don't like how the what, the, the relationship how it started with with the mm. staffer, and I don't know all the details. But it goes back to the same thing. I don't think it matters as long as he's keeping his promises mm. that he was elected on. Mm. Yeah, and that's for it. sure. For sure. I'm definitely um, in total agreement with you there, Joel. I think we would all um, benefit if we, like, if if we accept the idea that politicians are actually real people. They're not like, um, you know, they're they're not actually like these artificial, come out of a computer, clean, spick and span people. And we start expecting a little bit less from them in their personal lives, but a little bit more from them yep. in terms of their policy contributions, I think every, we'd actually get a lot more stuff done. Yeah, we'd probably so have too. a lot better people in, yeah. in politics. Um, and because, but, but then again, you know, it, it comes with the territory. If you, if you want to be, um, you know, in charge of, of a whole country and you've got a whole lot of people who don't want you to be and they want to be in charge of the country, yeah. it's going to be a dirty game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wish, you know, I wish it would be a bit, a bit, bit less, wholesome. a bit more wholesome. Um, but, but you know, that's that's kind of what what they sign up for in a sense. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, okay. I like that, Joel. We've got the international story. Um, I'm going to have to do this off Andy's laptop because mine isn't quite isn't quite working. We had a few technical issues which we've worked through. Um, but the international story is the new wave of. Uh, tech censorship which has happened in the last week Uh, so on Thursday Facebook announced it had permanently banned users including leader of the nation of Islam Louis Farrakhan or Louis Farrakhan um, for like anti-semitism along with right wing figures Miley Yiannopoulos Laura Loomer, Alex Jones Um, so they've had all their um, personal accounts removed as well as fan accounts um, and it includes Instagram, right, because Facebook owns Instagram. Uh, and the reason why is because Facebook have said these people are dangerous. Now, Alex Jones and Infowars had previously been banned from Facebook in August 2018, but maintained a presence on Instagram. Um, and on Thursday, Jones and Infowars will be barred from Instagram as well. So this is what Facebook said. We've always banned individuals or organisations that promote or engage in violence and hate, regardless of ideology. A Facebook spokesperson said in a statement, the process for evaluating potential violators is extensive and it is what led us to our decision to remove these accounts today. So you can't even share InfoWars content right now on on these platforms unless you simultaneously denounce it. Uh, Some interesting uh, reactions I'd like to go through before we throw it to Joel. Snoop Dogg has encouraged all his 32 million followers to flood Facebook and Instagram with videos of Louis Farrakhan, Nation of Islam, trying to support some free speech there. Um, uh, 
Donald Trump said, I'm continuing to monitor the censorship of American citizens on social media platforms. This is United States of America, and we have what's known as freedom of speech. We are monitoring and watching closely. He said, uh, in relation to Diamond and Silk, the wonderful Diamond and Silk have been treated so horribly by Facebook. They work so hard for what and what has been done to them is very sad. We're looking into this. It's getting worse and worse for conservatives on social media. Now, Diamond and Silk, who are two prominent um, Trump supporters, have had like their reach blocked. They're being like, um, there's used like a whole lot of algorithms which are used by Facebook to to stop their reach. Um, Donald Trump Jr. said the purposeful and calculated silencing of conservatives by Facebook and the rest of the big tech monopoly men should terrify everyone. It appears they're taking censorship campaign to the next level. Ask yourself how long before they come to purge you. We must fight back. Donald Trump then finally said uh, a couple of days ago, so surprised to see conservative thinkers like James Woods banned from Twitter and Paul Jose- and Paul Watson banned from Facebook. Um, what's one more thing that's interesting to note is that Hamas, Hezbollah and PLFP, which stands for the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine, still have their own fan pages on FB, uh, withstanding the fact that they are terrorist organisations. Um, but apparently are not hateful enough for Facebook to get their uh, pages taken down. The last interesting point is that these all happened like in one kind of fell swoop. It wasn't like someone did something in particular one day and they were individually banned. This was like a coordinated effort by Facebook and some other big tech giants to take to silence a whole bunch of people in one go. Uh, so, Joel, what's your reaction to this particular wave of censorship and more generally the censorship uh, which is going on by the big tech platforms? Look, it's absolutely disgusting. Um, the solution, if you remember one thing, the solution to hate speech is not less speech, it's more speech. Because if I don't know what someone stands for, then how do I tackle it? How am I prepared for it? More people will be deceived by it. It's the same, the same thing. I, I actually got banned on Twitter. I don't know if you saw. A couple, I did say that a couple of weeks ago, and that was for um, that was. I know it's off topic, but that was for sharing uh, Brendan Tarrant's um, manifesto. Uh, yeah. uh, this is a month about shooter. a month ago. The Christchurch shooter, and I was sharing it, and I basically some, said something along the lines of, "Read the manifesto, understand what he said, see where he crossed the line, so that you can call it out the next time you see it." I ended up getting banned for that last week. Mm. I think it was because I shared the manifesto, even though the link didn't work anymore. And that's on me. If, if, that's, if that was a violation, I wasn't aware of it. But the, it still stands. You need more speech because if you can't see the issue, then how can you address it? You'll just be taken by surprise when they use a, a mysterious mm. logic you've never seen before. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and we say like the real alternative right figures because um, the media often conflates kind of right-wing libertarian people with like real alt-right people. And the distinction usually is um, the opinion on race, right? Yep. Um, but the real alternative white figures, right figures, who are very caught up in kind of white identity politics, white nationalism, this kind of European identity... Um, I've, I've tried to listen to some of their stuff and it's none of it's particularly intelligent or particularly well thought out but because the only time where they get interviewed yep. is when the, the interviewer comes at them and says, uh, you're racist, um, how could you say this without 
without actually understanding what that person is saying because yep. they've never come across it before. Yeah. The person who actually has these um, like kind of racist viewpoints often ends up crushing the interviewer and making <laughs> themselves look really good. Yep. Not because their ideas are particularly good, yep. um, but because people have never seen it before and they've, they've never been able to grapple with it, right? And um, this, is, this is kind of off topic as well, but you hear a lot of talk today, particularly in America around Donald Trump, about like Trump's like Hitler. He's like racist. He's <laughs> yeah. like Hitler, right? Yeah. And most reasonable people can kind of brush this off mm. as, 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 you know, uh, the white noise that it is. But like, it has got me thinking in the sense that because we spend so much time just on kind of like that surface level analysis, Hitler's a monster, Hitler's bad... We haven't actually, like, we don't actually spend a lot of time understanding why Hitler thought the Jews were so bad, right? Now, some people would say that just kind of having those ideas out there is hate speech and we should take them down. Now, I don't think that's true. And I think the reason is, is that if your aim is to prevent a Hitler in the future from gaining popularity and traction, you have to actually understand the reasons why they gained popularity and traction in the first place, right? So Hitler would have never come out and said, hey, we need to exterminate the Jews, and then all the Germans in 1938 started cheering, right? He would have said, these are the problems with the Jews. They've done this, 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 and this. Um, we hate them for these reasons, um, and that's why we're pursuing like this policy, right? And it actually helps everyone, I believe, to engage with those real points, um, to understand where they're coming from, but more importantly, to understand why they're wrong yeah. instead of just understanding, instead of just um, coming face to face with that surface level analysis that Hitler is bad. Yeah. Because in no way does that equip us to deal with the future arguments of people who go down that um, ethnic identity path. Or like, um, we, and, and, and we kind of need to have that across the board, I feel like, just trying to understand and engage with the real arguments. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think that. Um Hitler is not something that people know about. Most people in America, I can't remember the survey's numbers, but most people had no idea what the gulags were uh, mm. in Russia. Most people didn't know what um, the, death, the names of the death camps were in Germany. They just, they just don't know. They use Hitler as mm. just something bad, basically. Mm. And, the, and the worst thing you can think of, like maybe how Christians use that's you know, devil-like or whatever. Mm. But they just, they just don't know history. Mm. Basically, they don't know history. They don't know why Hitler was doing it. He was he was saying it basically because the Jews were, mm. um, you know, incredibly intelligent people, and they they did very well. They they stuck together as a family union, and they, you know, they had incredibly uh, disproportionately high um, IQ, mm. as we see today. Um, and because of that, they were a very convenient group to blame things on, and that's why he went. That's pretty much why he went after them. And he was also disgusted. By them almost like you would with a rodent, mm. which is very strange. Mm. Um, there was a lot of that uh, imagery and rhetoric going around. Yeah. Um, but Andy, do you have something to say? Yeah, I think when people use uh, other figures like Hitler, when you say like, for example, Donald Trump is Hitler, it undermines completely like the horrific nature of who Hitler was and what he did. And when we say that like Donald Trump is like Hitler, it completely when you equate someone who in 
hasn't done anything that bad, like not even close to exterminating like millions of people, and we say that this person is the same as this, or this person is at least as similar to this, that we draw these comparisons, then it just completely undermines the like mm. tragedy that yeah. people have gone through. It is pretty interesting that um, Hitler would move the capital, the the uh, embassy from Tel Aviv into Jerusalem. Um, <laughs> And this and that, yeah. Is it Nazi and Hitler is like those words that have lost their meanings by 2019. Yeah. Um, but to kind of bring it all back together, I think that, as Joel said, um, the kind of the best disinfectant is, is sunlight. And at the end of the day, if you have good, moral, um, sound arguments, they should be able to tear down um, the kind of hateful or racist arguments quite quickly and as long as you trust that most people are mostly reasonable most of the time um, there's really no need to kind of ban the hate speech Mm. Um, in fact it's better to actually have it out in the open so we can understand it I like the Dave Rubin approach you know how he's like he gives them enough rope to hang themselves yeah because if if you if you've got all the arguments out there if they've put all their cards on the table you can see exactly what they're playing at you can mm. you know how to attack them. Whereas if you cut them off at you know they can't even say anything. It's like well, what do they really mm. believe? Can I change their mind? Mm. Can I stop other people from having mm. those beliefs? And it kind of gives them a bit of legitimacy as well, um, in the sense that if the government is like banning your stuff or a platform is banning your stuff, it makes people um, interested in what you have to say. Uh, and second of all, like it's it's. It's obviously regarded as dangerous, which which mean it might have some important truth in it, right? Yeah. Now, a lot of times it doesn't, but if you look at who are the worst free speech offenders throughout, like, especially the 20th century, you're looking at the most authoritarian countries, you're looking at Nazi Germany, you're looking at Soviet Union, and a lot of times uh, the speech they, they were persecuting and trying to restrict was the truest speech. Yeah. And so if they're trying to draw on those analogies... Um, you know, their arguments aren't true, yeah. but like the free speech thing is, you know, <coughs> as they say, you know, I don't, I don't agree with what you say, but I'll die defending your right to say it. Yes. Well, they tried this. You said earlier before that they tried the censorship on Alex Jones at I think October or August mm-hmm. last year, and he ended up getting having the most popular app not long after that. They yeah. tried to censor the guy, most yeah. popular news app that is. Yeah. And he, I think his his support like increased astronomically. Mm-hmm. And because people were trying to find out, oh, what's this guy? Yeah. What's this guy all about? You Same know? thing when Milo got banned from Twitter. Really? Um, he, yeah, he's, he 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 just blew up. He then released like New York Times bestselling book and like yeah. um, dangerous, right? Yeah, dangerous. Um, <laughs> That's why they got banned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is dangerous. Um, have we got anything more from? Um, well, Donald Trump last week had a meeting with Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Um, we don't know if anything's come of it, but yeah. but it's it's something. Um, what I also found like particularly interesting was that uh, for the first time in kind of recent memory, um, or maybe it's just a bit of uh, bit of bias from me, but um, it's it's not very often that left wing figures will get banned. So we had Louis Farrakhan, leader of the Nation of Islam, yep. who got banned, and he's I think one of the first big left wing figures yeah. in a while. And you kind of call him left, yeah. even though. Um, you know, the kind of conservative Islam is, is more conservative than any, any conservative thing that we have, but just because of the Islamophobia and the immigration issue, which has been taken up by the left, yep. um, you know, he, he would be regarded 
by most people as a left, although the Washington Post and a few other people um, tried to this week call him um, far right. Because yes. when they were doing the talking about the bannings, they said far right figures, Paul Watson, yeah. Laura Loomer, Louis Farrakhan get banned from Facebook. Yeah. And it's like, uh, hold up, stop for a second, you fake news. Uh, yeah. I was listening to Tim Pool on this. I don't know if you've heard of Tim Pool. He's, yeah. he's centre left leaning, mm-hmm. lovely guy, uh, does amazing work. And he was talking on this and he had, he was reading out someone's hypothesis on what's going on here. And basically what they were saying was, because we live in such a fast-paced news world, because we live in a world where the news is just, it has to be, you have to be the first one out, you have to get those clicks, you know. Mm. Um, they, they put it out there and what happened was um, Facebook, they put out Louis Farrakhan's name out later, but by that point the press release had already gone out so that all the news organisations already wrote what they wanted and then they, they threw Louis Farrakhan's name really? later on. And what? But they didn't change the far right thing. So yeah. he, he got lumped, and he's not far right. He's just no, not. Yeah. And it's just, and it was amazing because then you see Snoopy go after him, which we'll see. But yeah. which is fascinating. Yeah. So that's a yeah. I need actually give a little shout out to uh, Snoop Dogg. The Snoop Dogg. Um, I have about I reckon pretty much zero agreement. I would say with Snoop Dogg on politics, except for um, marijuana legalization. <laughs> Um, and I'd probably have zero agreement with Louis Farrakhan or, or Lewis. Um, but, you know, I wish he still has a platform. And um, based on principle, I'm saying, give me some, give me some Louis. I want to hear what Louis's <laughs> got to say. Um, I'm on Team Louis on the yeah. free speech issue. Uh, Andy, you got anything else to add? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we've uh, done okay. that pretty well. Now, to our favourite segment... Uh, and a viewer's favourite segment, we get to beta mail of the week. Um, now, we must keep in mind that beta mail is not gender exclusive, nor is it even human exclusive. We've given it to um, institutions before, social Peter, media platforms. Peter's gotten it before. Peter got it before for their outrageous, outrageous publicity stunt trying to rip on Steve Irwin on the anniversary <laughs> of his death. Yeah. Um, they just getting another beta mail. Shocking. Um, we also note that the Beta Male of the Week Award has been named in honour of Jussie Smollett. Uh, the Jussie Smollett <laughs> Beta Male of the Week Award is what it's officially called because he's the Beta Male of the Galaxy. And the Beta Male Award is for someone who can't really take responsibility for themselves um, and they, they, just, they just haven't got the goods. They haven't got the intestinal fortitude to stand up for what's right in the world. Um, so... I'm happy to say Steve Dixon gets a little beta male of the week. but He gets a nomination. He gets a nomination, but it's not a strong beta male. That's just a... On account of his just stupid personal actions. Just just silliness. Silliness. On account of silliness in Washington. Now, that being said, I'm sure uh, he was probably the least silly person in Washington at the time he was at the strip club. Um, Except Except for the Don Don. Meister. The Don was obviously not silly. Um... (laughs) But he'd been one of the lesser silly people in Washington, I would have said, in September last year. Um, the big beta males go to um, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Mark Zuckerberg in particular, the lizard yeah. man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, do we have any more? Or are we just going to... We just I, got... think, I think Facebook is going to take it out this way. Joel, what do you think? Facebook, you have the final for, for sure. For okay, sure. Facebook for sure. Goals. Zuck, you get the... Um, you, you get the nomination. You get you get you get the, the the award. The last thing I'll say on that um, free speech issue, and I think um, it was Paul Joseph Watson that came up with this. This is like a way to almost totally solve the big tech censorship issue. Would be 
for like any other um, kind of social media platform that's not Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like if Trump just picked a new one and made a deal with that and said he's that as that that platform won't ban anyone. Yeah. And Trump then said, okay, I'm going to publish one tweet a day on this new platform. That would basically force everyone else to sign up to this platform to see yep. what he's got to say, yep. um, and also, would would facilitate this slow exodus out of these kind of Silicon Valley tech companies onto like a new one, which is yep. um, which, which would be politically neutral. Hopefully, what I, do you think about that? I wish it was that simple. Um, I don't think that's a solution. A lot of there have been a lot of corporations that have been trying to to compete, mm. and they haven't been successful. What ends up happening is. The, they can't get funding. The banks don't want to fund it because they don't want to be associated with mm. it. Uh, PayPal might pull out. or mm. There's all these issues. What I think would be a better solution, would, which would solve all of them, so everyone can stay wherever they want, because I think that would be artificial growth if he were to do that, because I don't mm. think he could rely on that forever. I think that there should be a Bill of Rights, an Internet Bill of Rights, and it should be signed on. Um, you know, It should be something that Donald Trump should run on in, on, in his 2020... Uh, election campaign and I think that should solve a lot of these issues because if you if you just base it on the American Constitution not inciting violence um, through speech you know inciting violence to, to harm people um, f- like physically that I think that would generally solve these issues because mm-hmm. these platforms they were fine not too long ago uh, you know it's possible but they got they got interests with corporations because they've got funding and advertising now and it just got a bit complicated. Mm. So I think we need to go back to the founding. Mm. Okay. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I think my natural reaction is that if the government starts to regulate um, Facebook, Twitter, um, it's going to go downhill pretty quickly. Um, I also feel like that as private companies, they should have the ability to choose who's and who's not on that platform, and we kind of deal with the consequences, see where the chips fall. Um, and we can criticise it. Um, and I feel like I would hope, like the natural capitalist in me would hope that the best solution is just another firm to come up and do it better. Yep. Um, but, um, and that, that's why it would, but, but you're right, it would be very hard to kick it off the ground and that's why maybe the only person who could would be for Donald Trump to use the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, it, it is an interesting issue because... Um, Facebook, Google, um, particularly when you see the politicization of like PayPal and, and some other, they, you know, um, that's providing kind of the biggest challenge to my kind of small government, private sector beliefs that, that's happened in a long time. Just because I feel like um, if you have 20,000 like Ivy League engineer graduates working on the, the Google algorithm or the Facebook algorithm or whatever, yeah. who end up being influenced to do bad things. Um, my government, my gut feeling is that they might actually be more dangerous than 20,000 government workers being influenced to, to do bad things. And so I'm, I'm kind of torn between the two because these big tech companies are so powerful. They might have, they're, they're more powerful than some countries for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Like they can swing elections. Mm-hmm. We saw that in 20, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're doing now is they're, they're actively playing a role in the uh, the um, sorry European Union elections. 
You've yeah. got you've got people like Tommy Robinson. He's running for an MEP seat mm. over there, uh, a member for a European Parliament seat. Mm. They have oh, elections. I hope now. he gets it. Me too. But the problem is, I think I think well, he obviously can't have an account anymore. Yeah, his official um, campaign Twitter account got got oh, blocked. I was, was going to say that I couldn't confirm it, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And on top of that, you know, you got Sag on a card of a card. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Benjamin, that's his, mm-hmm. his real name. He he can't. He, he's been taken off Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. And if that's like for they had a two year investigation into the Russia collusion thing, mm-hmm. came up with nothing basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, zilch, zilch, <laughs> and nothing. Big fat, big, big donut. <laughs> and and we've got something that's broad. It's in broad daylight interfering in these foreign elections mm. and that's not that's not the most of it you should see what's happening in India mm. the conservatives yeah. are being uh, and censored over there as they're well. like oh the Russian bots manipulated Facebook the only thing they could come up with was a hundred thousand dollars worth of Facebook ads <laughs> I know there's probably ten other people in this damn building who, would, who could spend a hundred grand on Facebook ads yeah um like that was some type of um, Russian government let me tell you the, the real story you're absolutely right to identify um the, the big tech um, alliance with the progressive agenda. But if we want to look at foreign state actors uh, influencing the 2016 yeah. election, yeah. Um, how about Saudi Arabia uh, funding like 25% of Hillary's campaign, um, tens and tens of millions of dollars into the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> um, and what, Hillary and Bill are now worth like 250 mil, even though they've been in politics like their whole life. Give me a break. Yeah. Then like they had significant support from Ukraine. Um, and and then you had even the Russians uh, through the um, uranium scandal where uh, Hillary signed off on America exporting 20% of its uranium uh, to Russia, to a Russian firm, after uh, a Russian firm paid several tens of millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. Now, bear in mind um, that the US is like the head of NATO, which is supposed to be a military alliance to stop uh, the power of Russia, um, but uranium is actually the main ingredient for nuclear bombs, um, which Hillary was happy to send to Russia. Um, so um, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but it gets me when the foreign in- the, the foreign foreign interference Russia. It's like really grungy. Get news. out of the mainstream media, um, you yeah. know, out of the matrix. And it's not just conservatives; mm. it's it's left leaning liberals like Jimmy Dore. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've of heard Jimmy. of Jimmy, but I've never amazing. He, he, he does. Stuff. He does some amazing stuff. I, I, I love his stuff on Syria. I love his stuff on... Uh, he's good for nuance because mm-hmm. he'll stick to his principles And because he, he used to be under the Young Turks. He just left recently. Right. And, um, like Dave Rubin. Yeah, like Dave Rubin. And um, he's really good because often he would, would have gone against the Young Turks on this and mm. those things. And that's when you know there's a guy I can follow. He, I won't agree with him on any, everything. You won't with anyone. Mm. But I know that when he talks on something, he's, he's speaking the truth from him, from mm. his perspective. Yeah, For sure. Um, well, that's good to hear because I think, like, there needs... It's, I'll tell you what is weird. It is weird that, like, the rules of the game are changing in some ways where we would probably find ourselves more aligned with people who we share no policy prescriptions with than some people who we share some policy prescriptions with, just because on a much deeper level than the policies, we agree how the game should be played, right? We agree that you should listen to each other, you shouldn't ban each other from speaking, you should consider the ideas, and then you should come to a conclusion. Um, You shouldn't uh, just only have some speech um, 
and everything else is hateful speech, so we just don't listen to it. Yep. So there are people who are like agree nothing in terms of what policies should happen, but because they believe in like kind of free speech, for instance, I am much more on their team than I am on kind of maybe like a, a centrist who I would share some policy prescriptions with, but who thinks that we should ban like hate speech. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a lot of, um, like, if you look at the Democratic candidates in America, if mm. they believe in free speech, if they de- believe in debating through things out, absolutely mm. on their side. And I think we're seeing that in Australia. Uh, you, have you guys heard of John Anderson, former Deputy Prime Minister? Yeah. So he's got the conversations with John Anderson series. Mm-hmm. That's what he's trying to do. Mm. He's trying to say the last time we had a, an intelligent, well thought out debate where we discussed the, pol- the policy and saw. We knew what we would do, what would happen if we got it, and if, if we didn't get it. Um, the last time that happened was with the GST debate, where we mm. actually the voters they went to the polls, they knew what they were getting, mm. and we don't get that anymore. Just look at what Bill Shorten's, you know, he's ducking and weaving with all of these policies that we're seeing on the environment. You know, mm. the, Fisher, the guy that, who, who created the models um, on on these a lot of economic plans, his his egg was his house was egged, and it was just. Yeah. You know, it's we don't have debates anymore, mm. and we need more discussion. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't initially going to cover this just because I don't really want to give publicity to it. But Tommy Robinson copped like a, a milkshake to the, um, to, I think two milkshakes, two milkshakes, two yeah. strawberry milkshakes. Yeah, um, while he's on the campaign trail, and as much as it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you got it. Um, <laughs> it's like we shouldn't really be in the business of throwing milkshakes on people even if it was someone who I really like even if it was some communist who got like a milkshake on him I would still be like we shouldn't throw the milkshake on the guy <laughs> um, we shouldn't really smash eggs on Fraser Anning um, we just that shouldn't really be the way we we treat people who who, who are running for public service like it, it, just because it's a slippery slope right because one, yeah. one time it's you know it's Fraser Anning and the next time like, can you imagine if Julia Gillard copped an egg to the face? Well, on that, it did happen in the UK. Jeremy Corbyn, uh, someone, oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a dude threw an egg at him, mm. and and then he ended up, ended up getting jailed for twenty eight days. Everyone should. It's I don't know how it's a debatable topic. There should be no violence to a politician to anyone mm. that, at all. Doesn't matter what their belief mm. is, even if it's this Brendan Tarrant dude, the guy that shot up the mosque. And sorry for saying his name, commuted if you want, but. It's just ridiculous. You shouldn't be doing that. It's it's mm. not right because it just it just gets worse from there, basically. Yeah, for sure. And it can get more violent. It can get. Mm. Um, it'll happen to people you like. Um, but yeah, it is. It is a bit of a. It's a situation. Um, so to wrap this to wrap this bad boy up, we like to come back to the conclusion uh, that we jump to in honor of our wives and girlfriends, um, Andy was making. Do you want to just re- rehash your conclusion? The conclusion was that the legalisation of marijuana is inevitable, so we should legislate on it now. I feel as if it'll quickly turn into that we should legalise marijuana. Hmm. Um, but pretty much the premise of it is, I think, as uh, the the ageing population of Australia sort of withers away, as a... I want to say... Very nicely put, Andy. I'm not really sure... What a better way to say that would have been. But as we have more young people sort of coming in, becoming more involved in politics, we have this like younger generation that's coming in that's more friendly towards um, like marijuana use than uh, we saw like other like more of yeah. a conservative generation B. And we see it like 
the precedent's being set in America as well, where more states are legalizing marijuana, and like probably there will eventually be like a um, uh, a nationwide legalization. I feel as if um, if it's something we see that's gonna ha- is gonna happen. Um, if we uh, on if we can on the most part agree that it is going to happen, um, I feel as if that we should be legislating on it now to sort of foresee uh, like what's going to happen in the future. Um, personally, personally, <laughs> I think that uh, we should legalize it. Um, I think as the uh, libertarian that I think I am um, that we should be legalising more things than less things um, more things should be out in the open and this one um, if we see that there's not really this like harm around drugs that uh, especially marijuana that like it's sort of been played up to be um, then I think we should probably legalise it but Joel? Well uh, it's good to be intellectually honest on a lot of topics and this is one of the many topics where I just don't have a strong opinion on it. I've heard some good arguments both for and against it. I think I've heard some arguments and like do your own research where it's been like marijuana it it, incre- there's, it increases the amount of car accidents there are. I, I haven't looked into the stats but I've heard that but I've also heard that it's very good for medicinal purposes it's helped people with epilepsy and it's like Okay, I need more time to go into this, and it's okay if I don't have mm-hmm. a strong yeah, opinion. Yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's a whole lot of things I don't have a strong opinion on as well, and I think that's it's all it's like a, a little bit um, courageous as well in the sense that you don't like you don't have to know everything. Yeah. Um, it's okay to say you don't know. In fact, it's probably good to say you don't know when you don't really know it because uh, it, it opens you up, it opens your ears a bit more to, to listen yeah. to other people, and then you can kind of find your own way. Um, I like the idea of um, legalisation for a couple of reasons, but the first and I think most obvious one is that um, marijuana is... It's not going to make your brain healthier and it's not going to make your lungs healthier, okay? They're probably going to each uh, suffer a bit, right? Um, Just changing your brain chemistry and changing your lung capacity uh, and probably puts you uh, more at risk of cancer... Um, but, but whatever the adverse effects which are advertised, which marijuana uh, has, um, they are by all uh, studies, as far as I am aware, uh, regarded as much, much, much less harmful, both to individuals and society in general, than cigarettes and alcohol, right? So however bad you want to knock on marijuana, if you're not then also advocating that we should um, ban alcohol and cigarettes, it's then hard to take you seriously because those are both much more harmful to people personally and society in general, right? There's going to be like a lot less drunken violence at night if people swap the beers uh, at a pub for a joint and Lord of the Rings. Um, (laughs) And like just <coughs> the the other point I would say is that for the libertarian, um, like medicinal, I think medicinal marijuana that's kind of like a given. I don't know why that would be illegal. Um, I think it just should be legal, even if it has, like, if doctors believe in it, 
uh, and a doctor wants to prescribe it, like I just don't think it should be legal. I think in Australia, I heard this, don't take my word for it, but I heard the reason why they haven't approved it for medicinal purposes is simply because they can't test it <laughs> right. because it's illegal. So really? don't, yes, it's just sort of stupid. Like, yeah. It's a bit like, uh, on a different topic, it's a bit like nuclear energy. Right. Maybe we should have it, maybe we shouldn't. We don't know because mm. we can't do research on it because there was a, there's a, there was mm. a 15 year ban put on it by the Greens. That's Side note: yeah. nuclear energy. Australia has like um, one of the richest, I think, uranium. 25%. Uranium mines, yep. and we don't use any nuclear energy, but we sell it to other countries who do. And I think is it f- from like an environmental reason? Like this is the thing. Like you, we talk about all the um, like we shouldn't be burning like coal and stuff. It's like we export the coal anyway. The coal's getting burnt <laughs> wherever it wherever it damn goes. Not only that, our coal's better. It's actually a bit less. It than is better. Other than black coal, coal is yeah. better than um, a lot of brown coals. Yeah. Like I go to China and um, electricity is so cheap yeah. and uh, like many many times over more cheaper than Australia. Yeah. And guess whose coal they're using? Yeah. Our coal. They're burning <laughs> our coal at a fraction of the price that yeah. we are. Yeah. Um, and it's like that coal's getting burnt. Yeah. Either way. So either yeah. you know. We used to have the cheapest electricity for that reason. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it is a bit silly. Mm. But so, uh, on marijuana, I'm kind of I'm pro, and I think like, although you would say, um, I I think you're probably right in just when you say the dem- the age demographics of people, um, would probably lead us to. Uh, a likelihood of marijuana legalization sooner rather than later. I don't think it's a given, in the sense that I feel like in the 1970s you get like the hippie movement, the anti-Vietnam movement, people with like having marijuana and LSD like all over the place, and they would have probably thought the same thing, right? Well, just when we grow up, it's going to be legalized. But so I wouldn't take it as necessarily a given. But I would, uh, I would like that. I'd like us to pursue in that direction. The only nervous thing I have about it, though. This is the nervous, this is the only legitimate argument I can see against it, is okay, well, let's start going down this road of legalising drugs which are now illegal. If you asked me would I like to make heroin legal, I would have to think long and hard about it, but I would have no principled kind of thing to say, well, if we legalise marijuana, why wouldn't we go down and pursue the legalisation of the rest of them? And that's really, mm. I don't have like a really a response to that other than to say, well, hopefully we can deal with it one issue at a time, but I don't know yeah. if that's like a good argument or not. The principle I've heard uh, shared often is, it was from Ben Shapiro, he said, I th- I'm libertarian on the issue of drugs. I think as long as it doesn't significantly impact society, like you should be able to do what you do without disturbing my life, basically. Mm. So if, if there is a clear link, you could make a clear correlation, technical term, with um, the drug and more violence or the drug and whatever, I think his stance on it is there should be some form of prohibition. Mm. But then again, I don't know, because sometimes in the past, prohibition hasn't worked, yeah. like with alcohol. Mm. I have no idea, and that's why I don't really yeah. feel strongly about it, because I haven't researched it. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, like, with... Um, yeah, but it is just strange how people will, like, trash on these other drugs but won't really bring it back to, like, alcohol, for instance. Because yeah. if you were to look at, like, um, car crashes... Um, rapes, rapes uh, you know, violence and assault. Even drownings the, as well. Drownings yeah, as well, good really. point. The alcohol correlation would just be off the charts. Um, but then again, like, do you want 
do you want to like have this experiment with yeah. like ice and methamphetamines? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's, um, that's enough. But I would love the experiment with marijuana. Yeah. Um, and I have seen that. I have seen the, the marijuana driving um, thing. My understanding is that that was actually um, a bit um, used inappropriately by conservatives. Because apparently what the stats showed was that... Um, there weren't actually more car crashes overall, but the proportion of people who were high at the time of the crash increased. Oh, okay. So it wasn't to say that people actually got worse at driving. Yeah. It was just to say that because marijuana was legal and more people were smoking it, more yeah. people were high at the time of the crashes. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong. That was the yeah. argument that... Oh, okay. I haven't um, heard the full argument. Because that was... That's interesting. Um, it was... Louder with Crowder, oh, who okay. put that argument to Joe Rogan on the Joe oh, Rogan that. podcast. Well, that's where I'm getting it from, actually. Um, yeah. And I think it was, I think they found when they actually pulled up the article that Crowder was referring to that it was, yeah. It said that, oh, uh, marijuana's causing more crashes, but it didn't actually say there was an increase in crashes. It just said there was an increase in the proportion of people who were high at the yeah. time of the crash. They had a bit of a falling um, out with that sort of thing, didn't well, they? Well, they did a little bit. <laughs> they um, made up, I think. And I think yeah, they, it is kind did. of funny that um, that conservatives have this knee-jerk reaction against um, against drugs. But um, I would also say it's kind of interesting that, like, I would say there's actually quite a lot of adults who do drugs. Um, if you were to look at um, the, I would say especially banking sector, I would say the amount of lines that get done <laughs> after a significant deal would be insane. Um, <laughs> Also, um, if you look at like the demographic of where drugs are taken in Sydney, it's like quite a contrast between you have like the really low socioeconomic places, and then you have places like Vaucluse that have a higher drug. Like, uh, where do you get that from? It's from. Um, I'm sure you could look at. I'm not sure where the exact source is, but what they they um, go through like the. It's pretty chat, but like the like urine and like sewage samples, and like from that they see uh, like what's in it. Um, and stuff really? like that. So I'm I'm 99% sure. Um, Interesting. That like. Well, yeah. We'll look that up. If Andy's right or wrong, let us know in the comments down below. Yeah. Um, so quick question: Which parties are pro running off? You know, marijuana, pro marijuana. All so I see is uh, De Natale. I don't think Labor's doing it. I don't think Liberals doing it. All I see is the Greens. I saw a good interview actually of De Natale yeah. uh, against Kosh Koshy. Yeah. On what does Koshi do? What show? Uh, Sunrise. Sunrise or something, where he yeah. was arguing for marijuana legalisation. Made actually very rational, logical. Yeah. Um, and Kosh just kind of had these knee-jerk reactions against him. Yeah. But the marijuana thing is yeah. not as important enough to make me vote Green, okay. but it is enough for me to say, good work, Greens. Um, I like I like what you're doing. Uh, yeah. Well, give us the. Um, <laughs> Give us the uh, the pitch of the Australian Conservatives Party because I've seen oh, cool. you do some cool. of the stuff. Yeah. Tell us, for people who've never heard of the Australian Conservatives before, um, kind of who are you, what yeah. issues are important, yeah. um, and what is it that they're, they're kind of trying to achieve? All right. In layman's terms, the Australian Conservatives are basically a party that started with Cory Bernardi in 2017. He's, he had a speech where he said, basically, the Liberal Party, they're no longer representing the people. They have forgotten their base. They've forgotten what they stand for. The, the party is too big to represent all the different interests in there. And basically, I want to break away and reconnect with conservatism. 
And that, is, that includes more of a free market. That includes things like lower electricity, looking at nuclear, um, just common sense uh, sort of policies. And it baffles me that people haven't heard about them because what they're advocating for, I believe, is in the interest of every Australian and most Australians would be voting on them if they knew about their policies. Like, and it's just, it's just absolutely crazy because they've got some amazing candidates um, that are running. They've, what they do is they don't focus on the lower house, which is where the, the um, prime minister and you see all the debates occur. It's more in the upper house. Sorry, it's more in the Senate, rather. Um, and they've got some amazing candidates running in uh, New South Wales, including Sophie York and uh, Ricardo Bosi, both military people. Oh, you'll love Ricardo. He's amazing. Yeah. And Sophie, she's um, Fantastic. a barrister. But um, the Australian Conservatives, as soon as I saw the party, I was like, yeah, that's the party for me. I feel like they're representing me. They have a podcast. Corey has his own podcast it's called yeah. The Common Sense Podcast. Yeah, I've, I've listened to it. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good because he goes yeah. through it and he's very... Um, I think he's the only senator, Australian senator, because he's a senator for South Australia. He's the only senator to have a podcast like that. It is. That's um, good. Yeah, ahead of the ball. Yeah, he's ahead of the ahead ball. Of the game. Yeah, and I always, I always share their their content on my Facebook, which you can follow me at, or my YouTube, mm. um, and or or on Instagram or Facebook. They're all of these Australian mm. conservative pages are so. Yeah, check them out. They've got some good stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, Australian conservatives might be th- something where you have to look into. I was thinking the other day. I don't know if we're big enough now, but at least in the future, I'd love to get some like politicians on to get them to talk about and ask him some questions. Oh, um, they'd come. Uh, if would they? They're, they're a call away. I, I, you, you tell me which one you want. You want Ricardo Bossi? He'll come on. You want to talk, want him to talk about China? I, I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love that. I think yeah. that would be a lot of fun. And I think it would um, it'd be cool getting to ask some politicians some, uh, some good questions. And also, I think like there is definitely um, a... A, a desire for longer form conversations in which you can actually talk about the issues in full, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people are kind of frustrated that like TV and radio, yeah. the uh, the form itself is so restricted, yeah. is so restrictive of the content that they can produce. Yeah. It's like they can't sit down and talk about economics uh, <laughs> or marijuana legalization yeah. for a long enough period of time where yep. you can actually properly consider the issues, right? Yeah. And that's why I think um, podcasts, YouTube, um, these kind of new alternative media forms, um, where not only can you have these longer form conversations, but it's actually much more convenient for people to access yep. um, than TV or radio, um, is, is kind of a, you know, we're hoping to jump on and ride that train yeah. upwards. Um, but that would, can I tell you, mate? We'd absolutely love to get some awesome. some of the Australian conservatives on. More, more speech is the better, and I don't think anyone, any politicians, would say no to you at this stage because they're they're all looking for um, you know more viewership, more voters. If they could do that now an and mm. reach however hundred amount of people, a thousand people yeah. from your podcasts, they'd totally do it. Okay. Yeah, we're in an election period. Beautiful. <laughs> now, before we go, um, I want to just get uh, Joel's kind of one minute synopsis of. Donald Trump's performance as the um, President of the United States over the past two or so years? So, Trump, he's going to go down in history as one of the most hated politicians, but the one that sort of kept his promises, which is amazing. He's um, the economy, the greatest growth economically. Um, It's uh, record low unemployment, record low women unemployment, black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment. Growth has been amazing, 3%, going up on average. and um, But 
we can't forget that there is an error that's coming up, basically. The election that's coming up, because the Malaport's behind him now, the main thing he needs to look out for is the, is the coming recession, because he hasn't, he hasn't been very successful at paying off the debt, basically. And looking at um, his, his record on everything, Israel, like, just hearing him talk on Israel, the guy said, I'm going to make Jerusalem the, the, the capital for, for Israel. He's, he did that. So many presidents, including Obama, promised that never did it mm. uh, for decades. I like what he's doing, and I hope he continues it, and I hope he gets it into 2020. And I think the battle will be between him and Bernie, not him and um, uh, you know, Biden Joe, or, Joe Biden. Or, or Kamala yeah. Harris. Yeah, or, def- or. definitely not Kamala Harris. She's not woke enough. Even though she's a black woman, she's not woke enough policy-wise, and her last job, I don't think it's worked out too well because she was prosecuting and mm. um, people that the left wouldn't like her prosecuting against basically and I think that's going to bite her in the okay um, fantastic cool um, Andos you got uh, anything else you want to you want to say before we before we wrap up I don't think so the last thing I'd say is that I'm, I'm I, I, I totally agree with Joel's analysis I like basically everything Trump is doing but that kind of piling up of the debt does make me feel a bit nervous um, and I would love to see uh, Donald fix that up but as all things um, Donald is playing he's playing chess and they're playing checkers uh, I'm sure he's got it under wraps um, and as uh, for his own as, as Bill Shorten said um, about Julia Gillard I don't know what I don't know what she said but I'm sure I'm sure it was correct I'm sure I'll support it I'm, I'm sure I'd support it that's a great line um so we're going to leave you here. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, if you want to check out Joel, Joel, can people follow you or, or you want to maintain your privacy? No, no, I, I, I encourage it. The more discussion, the better. You can follow me at Twitter at Joel Jamal. How do you spell it? J-O-E-L, J-A-M-M-A-L. That's my basically my name for Twitter, for Facebook, nice and simple. We'll put the link in the description. For YouTube, you know. Yeah, the links will be great. Yeah. But cheers for this. Okay, no problem. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll have Joel back on. Um, make sure you let us know if you think there's any suggestions you would, uh, you'd like to see us incorporate. If there's any topics you'd like us to speak on, we're all ears. If there's any guests you'd like for us to have on and, and talk with, um, we'd love that. Tell us what you think of the new studio. Um, follow us on you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, all Carnage House Productions. If you want to support the podcast financially, um, you feel free to support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, you know, at least we're honest about it. We want your money. Um, <laughs> but you don't have to give it to us. You won't be offended. Um, capitalism. Got to love it. Capitalism. <laughs> uh, well, look, it's consensual base. That's right. Um, that's right. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for sticking with us. Um, hopefully we'll see you next time. Um, bye-bye from us.